Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, July 24th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We've got a busy show for you today. With the Royals opener set for tonight in Cleveland, we'll talk baseball. First, you'll hear from Alex Gordon. He met the media at midweek to talk about this season and what he expects from this Royals team. After a break, you're going to hear from Royals play-by-play man Ryan Lefevre. Like the players, Lefevre and the announcing crew meet a unique challenge in 2020. When the Royals play on the road, as they do tonight and next week in Detroit before coming back to Kauffman Stadium, Lefevre, Rex Hudler, Joel Goldberg, Jeff Montgomery, Steve Fiziok, and Steve Stewart will broadcast the games from Kauffman Stadium. So all games this year, home and away, will be broadcast from Kauffman Stadium. Now, you didn't hear me mention Denny Matthews. Oh, he'll be part of the broadcast team, as always. The team's 52 years old this year, and Matthews has called every season. But he'll be working from his home. So quite a unique situation for the Royals, who got to work out the Kinks in an exhibition game in St. Louis on Wednesday. The team was in St. Louis. The broadcasting crew was at the K. I think you'll enjoy hearing how Lefevre expects to adjust to, uh, well, everything. Finally, we'll wrap things up with sound from the first major sporting event in Kansas City since sports shut down due to the pandemic in mid-March. Denny Hamlin won the Superstart Battery 400 at Kansas Speedway on Thursday night. First, you'll hear Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones give the Start Your Engines command, and then the NBC Sports Network first uh, call of the first and final laps of the event. Hey, by the way, racing continues at the Speedway on Friday and Saturday with ARCA, the Xfinity Series, and two truck races. So let's get started with Alex Gordon, who was asked about hitting in a more beefed-up lineup. Yeah, I said that about a week ago when we kind of had our starting lineup uh, start playing together. Uh, just Sally and especially Sally um, extending the lineup just even more, just making it more add into the depth of it. And then Franco, um, he's looked really good. Um, this whole, this whole um, summer camp, so and even spring. So um, adding those two guys, I think I think last year uh, we had a pretty good lineup. I think it was pretty heavy at the front, and then you know kind of slowed off at the end. So I think uh, those two guys are going to extend it and uh, really not really have any holes in the lineup. So um, right now I'm sitting in between Sally and Soler and uh, Franco and all these righties. So uh, I'm kind of loving it. What about the, the bottom of the order, too, with, you know, Franco and McBroom and, and Nikki? That is that uh, a part that's going to maybe sneak up on some teams, too? I think so. I think uh, Nikki's a, you know, a capable guy of getting on base and uh, setting the lineup up for Witt and uh, Montesi, who are capable of driving in guys, too. So he's one of those guys that can just uh, be a pest at the plate and, uh, you know, put together good at-bats, walks, get on base. Uh, uh, steal just put havoc on that on that night hole and uh, turn over the lineup to to wit and uh, uh, modesty or looked even even better than last year so uh, guys are improving and it, it looks good thanks alex hey gordo uh you guys have already had to sort of roll with a couple of punches here with like salvi missing some time how well do you feel like you guys are suited to to weather you know, whether it's the first couple of weeks or however long with, you know, Junis and, and Keller having a little delayed start. I mean, it's it's tough, but we kind of knew this coming in that this could happen um, with guys testing, being out for a while, uh, losing kind of that momentum and um, 
hopefully we got enough guys that can step up behind them and uh, take over. But, you know, every, every team's going to have to deal with this. It's just you got to have a positive mindset. And I know it sounds kind of bad, but just kind of move on and, uh, you know, keep the train rolling. And hopefully when they get healthy, they can come back and keep producing. So um, we knew this was going to be part of it. And we just got to deal with it and uh, look, at it, look at it in a positive way, I think. Is um is any of the, the what you any of what you've seen from some of the younger guys giving you any more confidence that you know if one of them has to step in as far as the pitching staff that you know you guys will be able to uh, manage it pretty well? I mean, this pitching, this young pitching staff, uh, just facing them in live BPs and stuff like that is electric. So I think for them, um, the stuff is there, um, the attitude is there. It's just about giving that experience and giving that big league. Um, um, kind of pace of the game and uh, speed of the game. So um, it's all there. It's just, you know, getting out there and uh, getting that experience. So um, it should be fun to watch these guys develop and and come on the scene and produce right away, I hope. Thanks. Hey, Alex, uh, I was just listening to a graduation speech that Dayton Moore gave, and he uh, he used you as his prime example of sort of embracing the storm in your life when you when you made the switch to – the outfield, and I realize it's ancient history in a way, but I do wonder um, if you could just speak a little bit to how you were emotionally ready to make that switch at that time and, and how important, it, obviously, it was to your career to be willing to embrace the change. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a difficult time uh, in my life, but, you know, just being robbed the way I was, uh, knowing that, you know, life's not going to be easy all the time, and it's how you handle it and how you um, deal with it after uh, the fact of what happened. Uh, I could either, you know, been upset, you know, kind of not been happy about it, make excuses, not work hard, or, you know, keep my head up and work hard and try to get back to where I was. Because, you know, I knew that I was struggling at the time, and I knew I wasn't producing after some injuries and um, performance wasn't wasn't that well. So it's just about looking in the mirror and just making a change and uh, doing it the best way I could. So um, I always believe in hard work and, um, you know, always keeping your head up, always looking at the positive in life. And, you know, that's kind of what I did right there. And it, it didn't turn out on top right away, but it took a while, but it, it was it ended up good. So. And this is probably pretty obvious from what's happened since, but I mean, would, would you consider that a, a pivotal time in your life? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball. I wanted to be in the big leagues all my life. And then you get there and you kind of get a taste of it. And and then it kind of almost, you kind of feel like it had taken away a little bit. And that's when I kind of had to, you know, just, I don't know, maybe make an adjustment and start working even harder and working in different ways. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I did. So, um, like I said, life's going to throw your, you know, curveballs here and there, and it's just how you respond to them. Thanks, Alex. Hey, Alex, hey. I know you, you get into your routine, working out and doing all that kind of stuff. How, how has this changed for you in these times, the times that you can enter the ballpark are a little bit different? How have you adjusted to kind of dealing with the protocols at the stadium? Uh, it's been okay for me. Um, a lot of my, you know, I try to stay in shape as best as I can, but you know, I try to do my workouts at home. So I, I don't, I don't work out at the field. I, I try to leave all my, you know, field activity for baseball when I get here. So um, once I get to the field, it's, it's all about just getting ready for the game and 
uh, doing all of the baseball activities I need to do to prepare myself for, you know, the seven o'clock, one o'clock game or, or whatever. So uh, it's just about, you know, things, little things you do kind of off the field to kind of maintain what you need to um, have during the season. You guys are heading on the road after this for the first time. Uh, that's when you're going to get outside of your little your bubble there at the K. You have any idea what to expect when you guys get on the plane and get to the hotels and try to make sure that you stay as safe as you possibly can while while you're away from the park? I mean, just follow all the protocols that we've kind of been given by everybody, and as long as our team kind of sticks to that and we kind of stick together and uh, don't go out and you know do anything you know stupid like that, uh, hopefully we can. Uh, keep everybody together and keep this thing rolling. So um, I kind of, you know, I'm a pretty routine guy. I like my, you know, my schedule. And I kind of went into this year, you know, obviously this has been a crazy year. So I kind of went into this year just saying, hey, whatever happens, happens. Don't don't get upset about it. Just roll with the punches and, um, you know, just deal with it. So I, I've kind of had an open mind about this season as far as schedule routines go. Hey, Alex. Alex, can you hear me? Yeah, Rex. Hey, um, we've never had a year like this ever, and hopefully we never have another one. Having been on the field and been in the clubhouse for many years, I was able to observe you over the last nine years being here, or eight years, and your leadership skills are impressive because when I, when you, when I first got here, you led by example and weren't as vocal. Are you finding that this year in this unusual time that you're having to be more vocal as a leader? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, I always say it every year we have, it's not just myself, it's everybody. Uh, there's a lot of guys in there that are leaders and especially maybe a, years ago when you first met me, um, you know, we just had a quality team where everybody knew what they were doing. So it wasn't really, I had to be vocal or, you know, some of the older guys didn't have to be vocal because everybody was doing their thing and doing it the right way. And I think when we made that, kind of transition in 2017 when everyone started leaving and and then all these young guys started getting called up. I felt like I needed to, um, you know, step up a little bit and just, you know, give some guidance to these young guys uh, as far as the big league life, uh, some of the questions they had. So it's just about, you know, what the team looks like right now. But honestly, right now we got a, a guys that have been around the team for a while and guys know the routine and it kind of feels like uh, back in when, when I first met you, uh, just with the guys knowing how to handle themselves, how to prepare and stuff like that. So um, just trying to lead by example always. And then if I need to speak up, I will. Way to go. Congratulations on passing the game on. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Alex, uh, since Vahe, went to ancient history. I want to go back even further to uh, your standing ovation before your first big league at bat. And I'm just wondering with no, with no crowds, what do you think your rookie year would have been like, or how do you think it's going to be different for guys breaking into the big leagues? And that, that, that whole level of pressure is just not going to be there. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's honestly, it's probably going to be a little bit relaxing for these young guys just to come in the stadium and just, it's almost like a backyard baseball game where you just got to play like a little kid and have fun. And I, I, I think that's kind of how we're viewing it. Um, they're not going to get the Toronto fans that are yelling at them when they're drunk or anything like that. So I guess that'll be good. But at the same time, you know, when you do do something good, 
um, you still have your teammates that you cheer with, but you don't have the you know the fans that back you up and stuff like that. So I think that's what uh, myself and some of the guys are missing the most is just that uh, embrace from the fans when something positive happens or and you get to celebrate with them. So it's it's tough, but like I said earlier, we're just kind of embracing this whole new protocol, whole new season. So uh, hopefully things get better, and by the end of the year, who knows? Maybe we'll have fans in the stands. Thanks. Alex, you mentioned the electric stuff of a lot of the young guys. I wonder just what have you thought of some of the new bullpen additions that you guys have and facing them? How impressed have you been? Uh, yeah, very impressed. Ian looks sharp just like he did uh, last year. Um, so, you know, he's, he's kind of our anchor down there right now. And then uh, Rosenthal, who I think has kind of struggled the last couple of years, uh, as as far as I've heard, um, looks to be even better than what we saw in St. Louis when he was pretty dominant. So um, it's him and Stalmont can keep up what they're doing, and that will be a huge plus for um, Herb Bolton to kind of be that down there with Ian. And there's a lot of other guys that are going to step into some other roles too. So hopefully I know that was kind of maybe our weak spot last year um, uh, with Herb Bolton, especially early in the year, and it kind of you know, put us behind the eight ball, but um, hopefully that can improve this year and uh, we can take a step forward. Alex, is it easier or the same tracking a ball off the bat with nobody in the stands? Um, I think like last night, I think it was the same. I think you kind of get in that, that tunnel zone where it's, you know, you're facing other players. Uh, you got the music, you got uh, the announcer and stuff like that. So, I think when you get in the box, you kind of zone out all that usually when the fans are there. So I think right now it's at least how I felt last night. It wasn't any different than, than during the season. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I think as a younger announcer, there's the tendency in a baseball game that if there's a lull that we have to be saying something all the time, and it's just, I think it just comes with experience that those ambient noises are just a, as much a part of the game, you know, and what makes baseball unique, you know, because when you go to a baseball game with a friend, I mean, you're, you're chatting occasionally, but sometimes you're just sitting quietly and watching the game. And, um, and so for, for the, so for me, I mean, we all know that the walk off at home with no crowd is going to be awkward, but the part that I was most uh, curious about were those lulls in the middle of the game when it's so quiet. And does that mean, should I go into, golf announcer mode, even though I've never broadcasted, you know, a golf tournament before that that's it. Sometimes it's okay to just kind of go with the flow or the mood 
of the game. And so, but yesterday, and I, and I, again, I'm just, I'm just saying what I heard in my ears. Cause sometimes our, uh, Mitch, our audio producer, he'll give me in my ears what I want to hear. So I don't know exactly what it sounds like on your television, but in my ears, whatever the Cardinals did at Bush stadium yesterday, I thought at least for our broadcast kind of filled, filled those gaps. So it had that same crowd buzz in the background as it would have been if there was 25 or 30,000 people there. They, they really, honestly, they really did a good job for the two of us on this call that were there. Um, they, they did a good job yesterday. It was, it was noticeable. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, this is Todd Ferdig from the Speaky Capital Journal. Hi, Todd. Hey, I got two questions. I'm just going to go ahead and give them to you both right now. The first thing is, sure. it'd be fun to paint a picture of just what you guys looked like. I mean, were you in shorts? Did you have your shoes up on the <laughs> desk? You know, I mean, what would, it, what, what would we be able to describe what you were doing as you're looking at sprinklers running? Uh, you know, maybe you weren't even facing the field as far as I know. And the second question is just, you know, we, we see what you do a couple hours of the day, but the other 22 hours of the day, you're staying in hotels, you're, you know, talking to people around the stadiums. And, and so there's gotta be a part of that that you're going to miss. And mm -hmm. after doing travel for so many years, maybe you're actually going to enjoy not doing that, but there's gotta be a part of it that you do enjoy. So just, you know, maybe reflect too on just the loss or the benefit of not having to do all these road trips. Yeah. I mean, I'll answer the second part first. I mean, it was, I mean, it's going to be strange calling the game over the screen and not being there, but knowing that if I was with Swanee right now, I would be trapped in the hotel and then going over to a stadium that's also empty, just like the one here at Kauffman stadium. I mean, the appeal isn't there like it normally is. And I have to admit, I mean, I have four young children at home and while the team was getting on buses to go to St. Louis on Tuesday afternoon, I got in my car and I drove home and they're going to be gone for nine days. And I got to come home and have dinner with my family, which, you know, any other season, that wouldn't be the case. So, um, so that, I mean, that part, that part I'm embracing, but to your point, Todd, yes. I mean, I've been doing this long enough now where there's, there's favorite places to eat on the road and, and people to see at the stadiums and the, you know, the, the crowd at Fenway park is different from the one at Safeco field. And, um, that makes the road bearable when we're away from our families. And, uh, being that yesterday was the first game that we did off the screens, I don't think HUD and I had the guts to show up in shorts and flip flops with, uh, the shirt and tie and coat, but it's definitely a goal of ours before the season's over. That uh, when we when we can transition from shirts and ties to the polos, that uh, we're going to try and make it as comfortable as we can make it. I think Todd, to spell that out for you, they, they are required still by their dress policies uh, for the open and the in-game shots that they do to be uh, be knotted up. So, um, but we know some weather and television people sit behind a desk in shorts and flip flops while they get their coats and ties on. So. And I've never done that, but I'm, I want to. I want to try that at least once. I want to do a ball game in some flip flops, shorts, and uh, and one of our fox polos when they when they uh, when they loosen the the uh, dress code. Hey, I got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. 
if it's 75 in Kansas City, but 90 where we're playing on the road, do you get to play by the 90-degree rule? <laughs> Hopefully we defer to the, to the hottest, uh, <laughs> hottest denominator, if that's, a, if that's a term there. Yeah. A, they have a temperature uh, policy for how they dress for a game. So that's why I threw that out there. Yep. Yeah, and they, you know what? I don't blame them. I mean, I think, you know, with everything that's going on in our country – medically and socially and and how much what it's taken just to get baseball playing again I think I think the network wanted us to come on and and just you know looking professional and so if this was the regular season and we were in mid to late July we'd all be in you know our our Fox or Royals polo shirts right now but I think for the first couple weeks they're going to want us in shirts and ties and that's fine. Hey, Ryan, I, I was watching yesterday, and, I, you know, I thought you guys sounded great. I didn't really – I kind of Thank forgot you. for a while that you guys weren't there. But that uh, one play that I think was kind of shows the difficulties you have was Gordon's uh, double play when he threw back to second because he deked everybody mm-hmm. out like he was going to throw to third. And uh, I, that kind of thing's got to be difficult for you, right? Kind yeah, of, that – we, I don't think, Pete, we really understood what happened until we saw the replay because, you know, just when the ball was hit, I mean, obviously I knew it was a fly ball near Alex, and then they went to the all-nine shot, which we call the high home shot. That's, the, that's the, the one that shows all the game action. I could tell Alex was getting behind it, and I figured he's probably not going to throw to the plate. Um, and then so I'm thinking he's going to go to third, right? Well, then he throws to second. And that wasn't something that I could really pick up until we until we watched the replay. And then you could see on the replay clearly he stepped to third, but then threw back to second, which was a great play because Harrison Bader had no idea what what he what was happening there. So there was that. And then remind me, Swanee, um, we had a runner at second and nobody out. And then Mondi hit a fly ball to center, right? And uh, so I mean, Merrifield went know, second to third. He went from second to third. So. You know, I didn't have any idea whether he's tagging or not, but then I realized afterwards that that's where I can use the the all nine monitor right next to me that I can look down and I can see is Wit tagging or is he halfway? Um, and then um, if a, if a runner's going, because that's one thing advantage we have is you know when I'm sitting in the booth and I can see the runners, I can say the runner's going before the pitch comes in. You yeah. can't see it, but I can. So just kind of just coming up with like a new tempo and a new routine of what I'm looking at before the pitch comes in to little, little nuances like that. And I'll bet you, Pete, there'll be, I'll probably leave every night thinking, okay, next time I need to do fill in the blank. Sure. Sure. Hey, one other question. I'm I'm sorry, Pete, but I got to ask Ryan some just on that one play. Did you, cause this is huge. Did you know that the run was waved off the plate? You know what happened, Swanee is, um, we, I heard, this is one of the benefits of no crowd. Yeah. I heard, and I don't know who the home plate umpire was because they rotated. D- DJ Rayburn. Okay, D- I heard DJ Rayburn say, no run. <laughs> and I said on the air, the run doesn't count. You could hear the umpire saying no run um, uh, before the tag was made at second base. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then we go to commercial and I'm thinking, what am I, what am I saying? That could have come from a dugout. That could have come from who knows who yelled. No, it could have been one of our, one of our players. And as it turned out, I was lucky. I got it right. But I, it sounded like it was an umpire saying no run, no run. And uh, so that I, that's, that's, 
that was because there was no one in the crowd. I could hear the umpire just from St. Louis all the way to Kansas City. I could hear him right in my headset. That, that's the kind of play that has me worried about this whole setup because that's the first thing I thought about was, do you guys even know the run didn't score? So I, w- I would have guessed that he did if I had, if I had not heard DJ Rayburn say that. Go ahead, so, Pete. I'm sorry. I was just curious. No, that's all right. This kind of feeds into that. And this is the last question I have. Sorry, Rahe. Is just, are you guys using the Fox? Are you, are you using the other team's uh, TV feed? Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting setup, but uh, the home team is providing what they call the world feed. So if this was a normal game, uh, the Cardinals would have their camera crew and we'd have our camera crew and the home team all, always has a few more cameras and we'll, we'll share a few cameras, but now it's basically the Cardinal broadcast and we have control of one camera and it's always, it's always going to be on the lower concourse across from our dugout. So we're in the third base dugout in St. Louis. So we have a lower first camera because chances are, if we want to talk about our guys, that's, that's a great shot to go, to go into the dugout. And then when they go to Cleveland, then they're in the first base dugout. So we'll have the lower third camera. So Steve Kurtenbach, our director, can talk directly to that camera operator and tell him what he wants him to shoot. Other than that, other than that, he has he has all the all the cameras available to him as if he was the home director and he just cuts the show the way he wants to, but he does not have the ability to talk to each camera guy and say, hey, can you get me a tighter shot of this guy or hey, can you pan over to this? He has no communication with the camera operators. So, um, so you have, you have basically one world feed and two directors cutting the show and there is, but there is also, um, communication between the two shows. So I hope I'm not getting too technical here, but let's say the Cardinals wanted, wanted to go to a full screen graphic yesterday about, um, their starting rotation. Well, they will tell us cause there's a, there's a basically this, like a coordinating producer that's in each truck. Um, they'll tell our guys, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go to a graphic here. And, um, so that gives Steve Kurtenbach the chance, our director to cut away from that. So we're not carrying their billboards or their graphics. And there's going to be some glitches along the way, but there's a lot of communication going on, but no, just one world feed and the road team only has control of, I think one or one or two cameras. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That makes perfect sense. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan, there's a there's a great story about Ronald Reagan doing a radio broadcast when he was describing a player about to score a touchdown on a long run. And he realized he was calling him by the wrong name, yeah. and he said that he turns in laterals to so such and so player who runs it in the rest of the way. And it was his way of covering for himself making an error. Is there a philosophy? You know, it looks like there's two two ways to look at this. One would be to let the fans know every minute of the game we're not there, so we're not able to describe everything the way we normally would. The other train of thought would be to try to conceal that and not let fans always have that at the forefront of their minds. I mean, is there a grace thing that you kind of hope people are going to give if they remember you're not there or would you rather them forget that you're not there? And how do you approach approach that? Well, we've been told Todd that we, we should bring, we need to remind the viewers that, you know, we are not there and, um, and which is, which is kind of atypical of the way Fox does things. I mean, Fox 
to their credit, they, they give us on a regional level, essentially the same things that, um, the Fox network would get for a world series game with the exception of maybe a camera or two or more audio. But I mean, they, they make the regional shows a big show. And what comes with that is they don't want us to be excuse makers. It's our job to take all these toys and use them wisely and, and put on a professional broadcast. So we don't usually make mistake or uh, make uh, excuses, but they've told us that, um, you know, not to, to bring it up more than we need to, but that it is okay to let them know, to remind people, you know, we're not in Cleveland, we're here in Kansas city. And uh, if you're wondering why I'm telling a story about Mike Matheny, um, but we're watching Francisco Lindor put pine tar on his bat, you know, that's, that's just going to happen from time to time. There's just, you know, there's, there's nothing we can do about that. So, and I, and I just think, you know, I think it's just going to get easier. I think I was talking to, you know, I go back to our director, Steve Kurtenbach. Actually, it's going to be, it's harder for our crew to do a home feed. I don't know. Did you guys watch, uh, anybody watch the game on Monday night? We're, and HUD was telling stories about Dusty Baker because um, he played for him in spring training. Well, you know, if it was our broadcast, we would show Dusty Baker and, and we talked about him quite a bit. And in between pitches, you just kind of keep going back to Dusty, Dusty Baker's or telling the story. Well, we can't do that now because he's our director is responsible for our broadcast and he's responsible for the Astros broadcast, even though they weren't televising. They just wanted to get into the practice of this is how we should do it. And so it was weird because HUD and I are talking about Dusty Baker and he would not go back to Dusty Baker because he's providing our broadcast and the other broadcast. Now, when you're the visiting broadcast, you have all the screens you want. You can do whatever you want with those screens because you're not responsible for anybody but you. So I think they're actually, it sounds like an advantage being the home broadcast, but I think it's a, it's a more challenging broadcast for our crew. And then, but for the broadcasters, I think it's going to be a little more challenging um, as the visiting show because occasionally they're just going to be shots that pop up that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. And I can tell you a funny part about that Ronald Reagan story. Um, I think shortly, if, if I remember the, it correctly, shortly after he made that call where he, he said one player lateraled to the guy who actually had the ball for the touchdown, I think, I think uh, uh, the, the, the announcer on radio who did the Kentucky Derby, I think he announced the wrong horse winning the Kentucky Derby. And um, they had to come on afterwards and, and apologize and all that. And as the story goes, I don't know the guy's name, but somebody yelled him at the streets, Hey, you clown, you announced the wrong horse. How did you do that? And he said, well, you can't lateral a horse. <laughs> so, so those two stories go hand in hand. That was Ryan Lefevre. One thing you didn't hear from that clip, the official scorekeepers for all games will be working from their home, so it's going to take some additional time to determine, or at least to hear, whether a call was ruled a hit or an error. Let's finish up with sound from Thursday's Superstar Battery 400 at Kansas Speedway. There were no fans in the stands, just the sounds of engines roaring. First, you'll hear Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, who provided the Start Your Engines command, followed by the television coverage of the first and final laps. Them strapping into the cars for the first time right now, first time they've been in the cars all weekend. It's time now for tonight's command from the Kansas City Chiefs. It's star defensive tackle and Super Bowl champion, Chris Jones. Hey, NASCAR fans, you're back here in Kansas City, live with the CEO 
Fag Nation Stone Cold Jones. Gentlemen, start your engine. All right, so it's Kevin Harvick in that red number four on the inside. Joey Logano, red and yellow, number 22 on the outside. Two Ford Mustangs taking the green flag in Kansas. And already you see William Byron in the 24 down below the white line. That's fair here at the mile and a half, trying to find any track or maybe apron that he can use. Talk about a little bit of surprise, and that's why right there, Joey Logano, if he could stay even with Kevin, he would have an advantage of momentum down the back straightaway. See if Kevin could fight back on the bottom. Kevin may just have been nervous about the track being dirty. You know, thinking that bottom lane is just a little bit safer. Last lap by Joey Logano. Again, this is the first lap that they have run at Kansas Speedway. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, no practice, no qualifying. And they are already up to speed here at Kansas. So many have said last year was Denny Hamlet's greatest year. He wasn't able to win the championship. Then he said that his loss at Indy earlier might have been bigger than losing the championship last year. Well, now, with one lap to go, presented by Credit One Bank, Denny Hamlet is positioned to win his fifth race of 2020. The gap still a half a second between first and second. Denny Hamlin's successes this year started off with another Daytona 500 win. He says one of the biggest things he wants to do this year is be able to celebrate with his crew because he knows that's who's getting him up front, giving him fast cars. They've done it again. He's done it again. Kansas winner, Denny Hamlin. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Links to stories about the Royals can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. And that includes Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There are 44 additional pages of national sports coverage today, including baseball box scores. Hey, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. Details at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.